sorry, there was a bug flying in front of me, so I chose to uh, clap before my name because I like had the bug just like right between my hands. Did you get it? Yeah, I freaking nailed it. I thought I was going to totally miss and then like have to explain that and follow it up with, but I missed. Yeah. Well, or I'm glad you got it. Annoy you by clapping multiple times, <laughs> which I wanted to avoid as much as possible, but I oh. really wanted the kill. Clapping multiple times is not a bad thing inherently. Okay. As long as they're not like on top of each other. Exactly. So speaking of bugs, I have a story to tell you. Okay. Uh, I went disc golfing today, as I am wont to do, and uh, it's actually kind of busy at the course, so I only ended up playing about half of it, because I wanted to avoid a few large groups that showed up all at the same time as I did. So I sort of, like, cut into the course in front of everyone else and started on hole eight and played from there. Mm. And when I was done, again, I was just sort of walking back. It's, It's a bit of a walk, as I think I've explained to you before. It's probably, like between a quarter and a half mile from the parking lot to where the course starts and i'm walking along you know just kind of out in the open a nice little path enjoying the day there's a bike park off to my left with little kids enjoying themselves there and all of a sudden i feel this sharp pain Mm -hmm. in my forearm near my wrist and i look down and there is a wasp stinging me stuck in my arm hair and so Uh. i you know pulled it off and and threw it away and all that but that's the first time i've been stung by something since i was probably around three years old when i got stung by a bee or a wasp or something climbing a tree Mm -hmm. so it's been a long time since i've actually experienced it and it was not as painful as i think my brain expected it to be Mm mm-hmm because, when, when, you know, Erin is very much not a big fan of, of bees and wasps. Her family is largely allergic to them. So mm. it's, like, always a point of concern. And mm-hmm. I think that drums up the anxiety around them a little bit. But for me, it was like, yeah, it, like, I obviously noticed it. You know, it hurt. Mm-hmm. But then, then it was done, and I was like, oh, that's not that bad. And it just stuck with me for a little bit. You know, it's still, like, a little bit red around the area, and it kind of... I'll very faintly feel like a little bit of lingering something. And like when I touch it, it feels a little tender, almost like there's a small bruise there or something. Mm-hmm. So th- so that was my uh, the, the capstone to my otherwise very nice morning outside. <laughs> so and it was like it was so weird, like it must have just been flying around, you know, and just like yeah. ran into me. And then got freaked out when I got stuck. Like, that that's the only thing that I can imagine must have happened. Because I was out in the middle of nowhere, essentially. There weren't mm-hmm. really any trees or, like, even, like, flowers and stuff. Anything of interest to an insect around very much. So, that was, that was my excitement. Yeah, wow. I'm just, I'm imagining what that must have been from the wasp perspective. <laughs> and now I'm noticing, like... I'm not in enough of, like, an a-hole mindset here, because wasps are just the worst, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't blame the wasp. It wasn't, like, being aggressive as far as I could tell, you know? Like, because wasps, just as wasps, 
they're they're worse than bees because they can repeatedly attack you. But this was like a just a standard small wasp. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a hornet or a yellow jacket or anything. It wasn't like big and scary or mean. I think it was it freaked itself out. So so I don't really blame the wasp beyond the fact that it's obviously the one that that caused the pain. But you know, I I'm not I'm not too broken up about it. Mm-hmm. So and I didn't like immediately try and squash it. I don't know what its fate was. I I saw it there in my arm, you know, and so I just pinched it around the middle and pulled it off my arm and just kind of threw it. Mm-hmm. So very possible that I killed and or at least maimed it in that process. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't so concerned about it that I, you know, uh, was too worried about its fate. But mm-hmm. uh, I did not. I did not seek retribution. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's very benevolent of you. I try. Uh, have you been stung by anything like at all? Like, is that is that has that been a frequent occurrence for you throughout your many years? I don't think I've been stung by anything recently. I have been stung before, though. I've definitely mm-hmm. been stung by a, at least two bees twice, I think. Okay, and a wasp once, I believe. So, like, I've certainly been stung by them, and I, as far as I know from those experiences, I'm not allergic, which, I don't know, part of me thinks maybe those experiences are part of why I haven't gotten stung again, because, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm always the person who's most, like, relaxed when there's, like, a bee or a wasp flying around. Yeah, I think I'm pretty similar. I'm not completely completely relaxed but i do my very best to just like like i don't go stone still i just kind of observe it let it do its thing you know when it when it if it's gonna be on my food or something i will try to gently encourage it otherwise yes and and that's about it so i I agree I i think that i've also been lucky to you know, I have not I've not purposely tried to anger anything or cowered in fear, thus encouraging some sort of weird action from it, you know? Yeah. So so just a little stroke of bad luck today. Mm-hmm. Glad you're more or less okay. Yep, just uh just slightly uncomfortable near my wrist. Yeah. So but I, I assume it will fix itself. Oh, hopefully eventually. In in three years or so. <laughs> That's right. But on a completely unrelated note, mm-hmm. uh, I had something that came up. It actually came up like a week and a half ago, and I just kind of forgot to talk about it last week because I was going to ask you about it. And I've been like sitting on it because I wanted to, I don't know if I was saving it, but I didn't really have anyone else to talk to about it. <laughs> uh, and maybe I'm just being irrational here. Okay. But um, I got a letter in the mail from my landlords. Okay. And so, so I started, started a lease, uh, well now at this point, like three and almost a half months ago. Yep. But, but I got the letter in the mail right on the, the three month mark of my lease. And it was a letter, uh, saying you've got two and a half weeks or whatever to decide. Are you going to renew your lease or do you want to end your lease at the end of the period? And it's uh, the period, period. One, was it one year or six months? One year. I have a 12-month oh lease. And God. on month three, I got a letter. Okay, so that is, I'm not being like, 
out of bounds here by being this is effing ridiculous. Like, okay, I get, I definitely get three months before. I definitely get four months before. Like, yep, mine six was, months mine if you're trying to work months. ahead. Yeah. We, we've like, got to notice four months before to decide by three months before the end in that's San what I've Diego. That's too. And I saw this letter and I like, I saw where who was from, and I was like, "Am I getting like evicted, or like is this like a like did someone file complaints about me or something?" Yeah. And then I open it, and I'm like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. Because it just I, it seems I, so. I don't know if it's if it's just the rental market around here, if it's just these landlords, but it just seems preposterously early, and like there's no re. I don't see why. Yeah, I was going to say putting on my like problem solving hat. Have you? Uh, communicated with your landlords about this yet no i was gonna call them on monday maybe we'll see how my day goes because there's like two things to investigate here one the thing is are there terms in your lease about this about what the renewal period is that you agree to not okay so then you know the next tactic is a you know calling more more is like i would suggest like a confirmation because this sounds like something that like maybe they have a standard i don't know maybe maybe your your dates would some information got sort of confused in their system and they didn't like double check whatever and, and a letter got sent out who knows right it could be something weird like that um that seems unlikely but possible yeah like all the dates on the letter are correct Okay. In terms of like your lease ends on this day if you don't renew. That is wild. Like you will have to move out by this day yeah. at this time. If you choose to renew, you will be allowed your new lease will start on this day at this time and continue to this day at this time. Does it it's also like, state the new rent for that new lease? It does. Wild. Which like okay, fair. Yeah. Um and honestly like they're not it doesn't include as much of a hike as I was ex- would expect. Like it's below inflation, so sure, can't complain about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like what? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, maybe maybe there's just yeah maybe there is just something about that area where this is surprisingly more standard for some reason. Um, that might be something worth looking into, just in terms of asking around. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree that that, uh, as my reaction <laughs> said, like, that's a very weird <laughs> in yeah. my opinion. Cause like, maybe, <laughs> but like, see, I was going to say like, maybe it's cause it's like a, a like a college town, mm-hmm. but like I am living in the least college part of town possible. Yeah. Like when I tell people where I live, they're like, wait, where? Like, are you in like a residential area? Like. Like, do you live in like a like families sort mm-hmm. of area? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I do, very much so. Huh? But, yeah. Well, that, that is. Yeah. All, all I can say is I support your um, reaction confusion. to this. Yeah. Yeah. That is super weird. Because it's like I don't know. Like, I was probably not going to renew this lease anyway. Uh huh. But it feels weird to have to make that decision already. <laughs> yeah, but like because it's so early i'm definitely gonna say i'm not renewing like mm. the lease because like it's way too early for me to be like oh actually no i will keep it like yeah it's far too early for that 
like maybe four months ahead of time if i was just kind of like yeah i don't really have any other ideas like yeah i'll, re- I'll renew it but like this really like no f that like i got enough time i'll figure something out if i make a decision now maybe that's a weird game that they're playing maybe they don't want a bunch of um i don't know i feel like there's always a weird thing with apartments i don't really know what the business model of an apartment is like do they want people to be there consistently or not yes because it all both they seem to be going against both ideas it's like you'd expect them to maybe want like a stable base and just mm-hmm. slowly increase that rent mm-hmm. because when someone new if someone moves out it's it feels like you almost always have to drop the price a little bit compared to what those people moving out were paying and there's often mm-hmm. like weird signing bonuses of like oh you get x percent off your first month whatever it is right yeah and like what is it like how is it just for the sake that like is i don't understand like i don't understand the business model like is this driven by the front office needing to justify front office workers who deal with all the league like the legal paperwork and they just need to like keep churn so that they can stay employed like i don't know i don't understand why uh, <laughs> they want churn or maybe there's just a percentage that they're trying to hit it's just like there's an acceptable like churn within the housing market that keeps things somewhat competitive i don't really know i just don't understand how this works yeah because i'd like in my mind i would think as a or like a property management company or whatever because i guess my place is owned by a landlord but controlled by a property management company Mm -hmm. like your goal would be to have the place rented every single month out of the year. Yep. And thus, if you have people who are just living like decent tenants who are just living there consistently, who aren't causing issues or paying their rent on time and stuff, like I feel like it would definitely be advantageous to keep them around because you, you make sure that you're not risking the like, Oh, having a month gap or something where no one's paying rent on the place. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like, well, it's not, it's not quite the same thing, but it reminds me of how, uh, you know, streaming services are not going to send any messages to you imploring you to come watch stuff a bunch if you haven't been watching it recently. Mm-hmm. Netflix is not going to send you an email being like, wow, we haven't seen you around in four months because that's just an email saying, hey, why don't you cancel because you haven't used us in four months, right? Yeah. And it's like... That's not what they want. And in the case of an apartment, you would I would feel like the same thing of like it is like it takes time to do all this sort of stuff. Like you're covering the cost of a carpet cleaning every single time someone moves out, whatever it is. Right. There's always something. Mm-hmm. And I just I just don't understand that so. maybe. So I, I haven't lived in this area <laughs> long enough to know actually what happens at the end of your lease term. Yeah. But I have heard negative things about uh dealing with security deposits and mm. so it's a real that racket. sort of stuff and so maybe that's the game is if we get some everyone to move every 12 months and we screw 80 percent of them out of their security deposit or most of it yeah it's like almost an extra month of rent but that like could be the amount of work that goes into like but like, because if you have a tenant and they are paying rent every month, like, it, I feel like the cost to administer that is 
exceptionally low. Yeah. Like, I feel like all of the cost of, like, being a property management company or something has to come in, like, the process of getting a new tenant in, dealing with the old tenant moving out. Because, like, what do they have to do during the 10 months of my, like, solid stay where I'm not either moving in or moving out? Like, maybe come and fix one or two problems in those 10 months? Mm -hmm. Like... Maybe the other thing here, though, is, and this is, a, I think, an equally pessimistic view on these landlords in particular when we're talking about this really early renewal notice. Maybe they figure we're not going to lose substantially more people by sending it out this early. Mm-hmm. So let, let's call that a wash. Like we could send the letter out anywhere between four months into the lease and four months before the end of the lease, and it's going to be basically the same. Let's just pretend that that's true, close enough. However, the pessimistic take is, once you kind of legally bind yourself to staying for yet another year, mm-hmm. the earlier you do that, the earlier you can sort of get a little lazy. A little lazy. And maybe there are mm. times where you can start to cut costs or cut, you know, just make things a little bit less nice or something. I don't know, but maybe, you know, they are more prepared. Maybe they have a little spreadsheet of like, oh, this is someone who's here for the first four months. We know to do the best we can for them. And then all of a sudden, once you signed yes to this thing, your service drops off a little bit. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case, but um, that's another possibility that comes to mind. The other thing I thought of while you're saying that is like the way the letter was written that I was given is it's like you're deciding either to renew or they saying you will not be renewing and they can show your apartment at any time. Oh God. Yeah. Which is like, uh, but maybe it's really, yeah. So like we give you this opportunity to renew now or like we're going to start finding a new tenant. And then like three months later, they send me another letter mm-hmm. like, Oh, Hey, you can still renew now. Or, like, say you're going to move out, and then, like, they send another one two months after that, and then each time they get some people who will just, like, commit and thinking they're getting more people to lock in because each time they do it, they get a few more people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It could, yeah, it could just all be all be fake in a certain sense. Who knows? You'll, you'll find out. I, I, I'll be intrigued to hear your report. Yeah. It's just, like... I don't know. Just the concept of asking people, like, are you going to definitely, especially people who are living in, like, apartment, like, are you definitely going to be living here in 21 months? Mm-hmm. How the figgity, figgity, friggity frack am I going to know that? <laughs> like, yeah, I think I am, but, like, I don't know. What if I get shot? Yeah, I don't know, but like, we'll find out. Maybe I'll do a little know. research on the side to learn how and why apartments work the way that they do. Yeah, I don't know about how stuff works, especially for these types of property management companies. Like, I have heard from people who, like, have their own properties and, like, manage their own properties more or less. Mm -hmm. Some of them, their philosophy is, like, oh, I'm going to raise people's rent as little as possible because, like, if I got a good – or especially if they're a good tenant, like, that I like, that I know keeps good care of the place because, like, yo, I want to keep them around as long as possible. If I can get a decent tenant who's willing to stay there for 10 years – that's 10 years that I don't got to do very much and like I'll do whatever I can to keep them happy. Yeah, it must be a weird game. Just like a lot of 
corporations where it's a lot of relatively short-sighted things of like, oh, we project that in the next two years, this will gain us X, you know, revenue, let's just say. Yeah. And and that's like a well-known thing because this company ultimately doesn't care about the like 15-year viability of whatever. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But that could also definitely be a thing of, you know, an individual person is certainly capable of understanding that, yes, I want this to be a very good long-term thing for both of us, mm-hmm. but the company is thinking in terms of spreadsheets. Yeah. And if the spreadsheets say, you need a lot more churn for us to get these numbers up for whatever mm-hmm. reason, I don't, I still don't understand why, but let's just say that's the case, then that's what's going to happen. You know what else I could see? I could see the daily drawing. Is this good timing? Yep. By uh, Lori Ransom. So, uh, this is a single, a uh, single, a uh, single driver comic. I don't know. Words are hard tonight. Uh, but we got a, uh, we got a, a nice, uh, majestic open area with with mountains off in the distance, a quite stout a uh, tree in front of a. Uh, maybe wire, potentially barbed wire fence. Um, somebody who looks like a park ranger, looking uh down on the ground where there is a appears to be a steaming sunny side up egg from my view, sitting on a rock. He's got his radio out. In front of him, a sign says, uh, a sign attached to the tree says, "Poaching is a crime. Report violators." Uh, and then some scribbles or numbers that I can't read. And and the park ranger speaking into his radio, looking at the egg, says, This is Carter. Looks like we had some, some smart asses in the lower valley. Ha that's that's pretty that's pretty rich. I'm I'm very disappointed in the in the depiction of the egg, but it's okay. Yes, I, so this is what I was gonna say. To start off, there are three things in this comic that stick out to me as visually interesting or obnoxious depending on what it is two of them are more like yes obnoxious uh, finicky points one of them i think is kind of amusing uh i you've already got number one which you yeah, can the, feel free to expand on the egg is objectively not a poached egg it is a yes. sunny side up or a like over easy or over hard. like it's an egg with the yolk visible which is not a poached egg yeah, it's not even really because when I think of sunny side up, I still you still steam that. At least that's how I do it. Maybe that's not how everyone does it, but that, when I think of sunny, sunny side up like that is how I do it. It's like you never flip it, but I do add a little bit of water and cover it to like steam over the top so that gets cooked. Yeah, you're just like my dad. Okay, um, but in either case, yes, definitely not poached. So the other thing that is I find problematic is the fact that this sign is nailed to a tree which I is was something that would say that. never happen in a park <laughs> well okay it shouldn't happen never. in a park but like never in a yellowstone or something yeah i i but think in... i think this carter fella looks like he's got a nice little wired radio there uh, you know, this is no uh, Mickey Mouse operation here. That that sign should be on a fence post, just behind the tree, not on the tree. 
Yeah. And if it's on the tree, it should be put on the tree in a better way than a nail. Yeah, definitely. So that's especially a single nail. Yeah, definitely that for the sake of uh, not for the sake of the health of the tree, but for the sake of the sign. Yes. My other thing, which I just thought was kind of funny, and it and it uh, came to mind right as you were talking about the comic is I find the chest pockets on the Park Ranger shirt very funny in that they look almost like martini glasses. (laughs) (laughs) They don't really look like pockets. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, uh, you know those um, plastic champagne flutes that come in like two pieces? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's like if they made martini glasses like that and just didn't attach the bottoms. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it just doesn't look quite right. (laughs) <laughs> or, like, martini glasses that are designed so they, like, for, I don't know, like a picnic. So you just stab the stem into the ground when you want to sit it down. Mm-hmm. That is a, I, can we hold off releasing this episode so I have time to patent that idea? Uh, <laughs> like, Th- what? This, this podcast serves as the, as the piece of record. We need to get it out to the public faster. Mm. No, but if we, can't we, oh, no, 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 because that would be, that would serve yeah i don't actually know how patent law works but from the little i know maybe (sighs) quick quick say the brand name of it so we can so we can trademark it (laughs) uh uh lontini glasses (laughs) there we go um Um, no i think because this isn't because this is a public forum that would make it impossible to uh patent i'm not sure how that works though is this a public forum? Or like like this like anybody could listen to this. Okay. It's not I understand. like it's like sending a secret sample to a customer or to a client or something. Okay. I gotcha. But I, I mean could maybe be we could argue in a court of law that anyone could, but effectively nobody does, and we do know that. <laughs> <laughs> we have evidence of this fact. Yes, that this is far from what would be considered a... This is as public a forum as six friends at a bar. <laughs> oh, I that that's even more generous than I was going to say. I haven't looked at the numbers recently, so you're probably more right. I was going to say, this is as public of a forum as me sitting on the toilet talking to myself. <laughs> okay, so we have actually talked about eggs in the past, I believe. Uh, I don't really remember to what end... But when you said that I'm just like your dad with regards to the sunny side up egg that that clicked with me, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. So instead, what I wanted to talk about was fences. I was down for eggs again, though. You are down for eggs again? Yeah. All right. Let's talk eggs then. Let, Let me let me ask you this. I'll ask I'll ask something about eggs. What meals outside of breakfast do you most prefer to have eggs in? Dinner. <laughs> I have eggs for dinner um, an embarrassing large portion of the time. In like a breakfast for dinner kind of way or not? Like at this point, I have done it so much that it doesn't feel like <laughs> breakfast anymore. It's, it's just eggs for dinner. <laughs> it just It just feels like a meal that I make. Mm-hmm. Like I love like egg sandwiches. Okay. Um, and does the so egg like, sandwich change if it's for dinner? Like, does it? Does the meat? Or like, does anything change about it to make it a little bit less 
traditionally breakfasty. Oh, or I just none none of my egg sandwiches are super traditionally breakfasty. All right, cool. What 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 are you whipping up? Um, God, one that I haven't done in a while that I need to do again because like oh, is uh, I know we talked about this before. And I feel like it made you cringe or something. I love it. That's fine. But it was um, like a fried egg, like fried like over hard or what? Like so, it's no no runny yolk. No no. Yep, I'm not over hard. Do that. With a choice of some sort of hot sauce, got to be mm-hmm. on it. Um, some sort of cheese, generally mm-hmm. like a sharp cheddar or something like that. Um. Oh, it's so good on like a bagel, like a savory bagel. Okay. Um, with some spinach and okay. just a massive sauerkraut. Okay, I like an obscene amount. I was imprinting, or I was projecting. Onto and this. ooh, and some caramelized onion. That doesn't sound bad. This is. I don't think you said this to me. This seems perfectly reasonable. It's not my okay. favorite thing. That's not how I would do it. Just because, as we've established, I'm not a huge sauerkraut person. But I understand the appeal of that. That is That does seem like, yep, that is a good lunch-slash-dinner breakfast sandwich thing. Mm-hmm. Or egg sandwich thing, right? What I was waiting for you to say when you said that I cringed from it, I was thinking, he definitely put peanut butter on this. <laughs> <laughs> I Not on an egg sandwich, but I have had a... This is not something I've made myself, but I've had it out in the wild. Um, is a a hamburger with egg and peanut butter. See, this I am aware of this. I'm aware of this because of a particular restaurant that I've told you about that I've almost certainly talked about on this podcast in Wabasso, Minnesota, where they have like a hundred different kinds of burgers. Mm-hmm. And one of them is called the Tri-Glide, and it is a burger with peanut butter on it. I don't think it has an egg on it, but it does have peanut butter. So I'm like aware of this as a thing in the world Mm -hmm. and yeah that does sound really gross to me (laughs) so you i mean it makes sense that you immediately went to the egg sandwich for dinner because that's a very egg focused dish obviously Uh uh-huh um what else are you using eggs in though like do you like having eggs as a sort of uh ingredient in things like a scrambled egg or something like that. Like for me, fried rice comes up a lot. Like oh, egg yeah. and fried rice is excellent. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, I have it more often than I think. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought I had it a lot for dinner, but now I'm noticing I have it even more than I thought for dinner. Because, <laughs> yeah, like I'll put like eggs and fried rice or like most like stir fries or something I make these days. I'll like toss, I'll fry some egg into it just because sure. like. It's a little something extra to bulk it out even more, you know? Um, I gotcha. Because, okay. honestly, like, that's something I've started doing a lot when I cook. Is like, I got a recipe that I know I like, and then I just add crap so that, like, I'm still making the recipe, but I'm making more of the recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can, like, turn, like, a, oh, a two-day recipe into a three-day recipe or a four-day recipe into a five- or six-day recipe, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like the... Adding uh like water to milk, but in a hopefully more nutritious way. Yeah, and and most of the time I try to do it in like I'm just adding more vegetables or some. I'm not sure. just like adding more pasta to the sauce or something, you know. Yeah, like that makes sense. I'm 
like I'll add like extra vegetables to like I don't know like chili or like lettuce wraps or something that I'm making or like mm-hmm. fried rice I'll add a ton of extra vegetables um just to like get the get the best bang for my buck cooking wise cuz I enjoy cooking but like with what especially in the over the past like 3 or 4 years like what I've done on the day-to-day basis leaves me less inclined to love cooking every night. Grant has brought Jump Start by Rob Armstrong. Uh, We have two uh, uh, men sitting in a car. The guy on the left is, you know, a little little slimmer, wearing a blue jacket and maybe a, a, a nice collared shirt and a tie underneath it, it looks like. I think, and the guy on the right, a little bit bigger, bald, is wearing all green. He's driving. Um, And the guy on the right is saying, One thing that my dad always taught us, don't waste money trying to impress people. Uh, We zoom out, and the man is driving what looks to be a pretty modest hatchback car in a disgusting olive color. And And he continues... It's that credo that has kept him financially independent. And the man in the blue uh, blue jacket says, What a legacy to leave his sons. And the other man says, Marcus is the only one of us who buys into it. <clears throat> this one does not get a pity laugh. No, uh, I, I don't particularly find it funny either. Um... I also, like, just don't get it, like, so, because, like, I assume the gross car is what they're driving, and, like, but if, so that's saying that he doesn't buy into it, but it's, like, his car, I assume, so, like. It's it's hard to tell. I feel like you have probably need the context of whatever else is going on in this comic. Yeah. I don't know. Fair. But what what I was thinking of is uh, in, the idea of like impressing people, and I was just mm-hmm. wondering like, is that something that you think about in your day to day life? Do you do you think about like not necessarily even impressing people, but like think of your actions in terms of how does this make people think of me? Oh yeah. Does this make people have a positive impression of me or not? Nah? Yeah, I mean, a good example of this is just I mean, that's I feel like when you're not super busy in a in work, that's like a big part of your mental bandwidth is the okay i have this many things to do and i know i could do all of them right now and sit around and twiddle my thumbs because i don't really this is all i have to do even if i tried to come up with more stuff to do there wouldn't be more stuff right Mm -hmm. and you sit there and you think well what's gonna where is my balance here does it look better to do a lot of this really fast or, or is there a balance there of like, I could do these things not super fast, you know, space them out a little bit and communicate to people that they're done at a more regular interval uh, to try and find this balance of, oh, how fast and efficient I am versus, you know, actually working throughout the day. I don't really know. But this, the, the communication side of it of like, when are you communicating to people? How are you commi- communicating to people when something is done? All this sort of stuff is like something that I do consciously think about to a certain extent. Um, not so much, I think, over the last few months. It hasn't been quite as relevant, but it's definitely something that like 
runs through my mind in a work environment environment is when I when I am doing something that's going to go out to other people, whether it's an email or a Google Doc or whatever, I do think about the optics of what I'm sending and who I'm sending it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not always bad. You know, for example, I feel super comfortable sharing really rough notes in a Google Doc with my immediate boss and another sales rep that we work with because that's my team. Like, it, we all mm-hmm. understand that we can be a little you know, rough around the edges. I don't have to write complete sentences. I don't need to make it all nice and coherent and well organized because what we want is just the information and that's fine Mm -hmm. enough for now. And then there are other people, um, a little bit more outside our team who uh, it would be almost insulting to them. Like it'd be like, it would be insulting to their time to give them something that was not more easily understood. Mm Mm-hmm. More and so it's both, yeah, so it's both, I, I feel like there's two sides to the same coin of like, I want to respect their time and the fact that they're going to look at this while also putting in that little extra effort of, ooh, you should also be somewhat impressed that I put in this time to make this look good, you know, and yeah. to like make this coherent because not everyone does that, even though I think everyone's more or less aware that this dynamic exists of this thing that you wrote is not the thing that everyone should see. It's for a group of people. And if a different group of people need to look at it, it might need to look different. Yep. So that's the sort of like framework. Like that's the immediate thing that comes to mind. Like every single day at work, Mm -hmm. something like that is going on. I feel like that gets at something really important about like working in a job where you like produce products for people to like products as in like, I don't know, reports or ideas or spreadsheets or something for someone else to see. I feel like when those sorts of tasks are either assigned to you or come to you or whatever, it should always be super clearly defined who it's for because that completely changes what, like, the task is, Mm -hmm. like, in terms of making it. And it's sort of amazing how many people don't think about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if there's one thing that you learn at the start of any writing class at pretty much any level above middle school, it's know your audience. Like, everything starts there, no matter how, no matter what kind of writing you're doing or what kind of design production, any content, let's say, any content that you produce, you need to know who it's yeah. for. And yet, a lot of people just kind of think oh yeah, this is good enough for me and therefore, and it's good enough for my boss. So it's good enough for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, what if like what you're doing is something that some random person in HR would be curious to know about is the document that you wrote for your team, the right one for them to look at both in terms of the correct level of detail, the correct level of information. Like should that information, all these like very specific things even be, known or available outside your team Mm -hmm. Um, like there's all those different aspects to it that people sometimes neglect yeah i feel like in writing there's like a a first three most important rules just like the first three most important rules of real estate like location 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 in writing Mm -hmm. it should be like audience 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 yep yep i think so neat 
luckily uh, our audience doesn't really care what we do so <laughs> oh is that what it is i thought it was the other way around but okay we don't care what our audience thinks is that the other way around <laughs> that's what i was thinking i mean Wait, do we care? they can both be true do we care um no okay but yeah. I think both can be true. We cannot care, and the audience can also not care, and that leaves like this perfect space of freedom and apathy. 